0: A rich tradition college football podcast is now live.
1: Welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton. two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you, my friend?
0: Man, I'm doing great. Uh, great, yeah, man, I'm doing. I'm doing really well. Uh, Got a got the baby room done or painted um, and cleaned out to for little little man that'll be here in uh, in October so uh, new little man yeah new little man um, hashtag last Jedi um, and uh, and me and Lisa just showed um, Elijah our other little man showed him Shrek for the first time tonight so first uh, little man yeah first little man. And the
1: first little man, and then little man the second.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and and he thir- like he thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I I forgot just how truly delightful that movie is. So. Well, that's um, going to
1: be great too is when he gets older and he gets to be 15, he'll enjoy it again for a whole bunch of other reasons. And then when he gets to be 25, <laughs> he'll enjoy it again for a whole bunch of other reasons. It's and true. then potentially when he gets 35, he'll enjoy it again for a whole bunch of other
0: reasons. <laughs> it's true. It's, it, there are so many layers innuendo, in, to the jokes. <laughs> yeah, innuendo, innuendo jokes in that movie. Um, It's quite absurd. <laughs> it really is how it is quite absurd, um, but no man, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm I'm ready to preview the ACC tonight. Um, I, I want to ask you out the gate though before we jump into specific teams, and this this may tip our hands a little bit, but like I found this to be one of the more difficult conferences to get hyped about. I
1: don't know yeah, you, I think I don't know getting. Well, I think getting. S- I think there's a lot of potential in the league, Mm -hmm. but it feels like there's been a lot of potential in the league, and Mm -hmm. nobody really has been living up to any of the potential, or that potential has only been able to go so far. Um, It's kind of hard to get really jazzed up about North Carolina, because we know how North Carolina's defense is, Yep, and... We're sort of on edge for Florida State because everybody is hyping up Florida State. They are the darling program to hype up right now. And it just feels, you feel kind of like you're on edge with them too. Like, is this too much hype? Are they going to be blinded by the light, if you will? Um, and then the other programs are just sort of two, the other programs that have some, Ah, uh, potential to them, it's not national championship potential. It's just new coach. There's some new stuff. There's some opportunities to build on last year. What does that look like to build on last year for somebody like Duke? Maybe it's just another eight wins. Um, nine wins would be really difficult to to do again. but so yeah, you're you're excited to see the league, but you're not overwhelmed. So I see what you mean.
0: yeah, and like I'm, I'm interested to have our conversation with you know, like with Duke, who, you know, who I, I really do think had a good year for Duke's sake, but I, there's also possible fairness to point out that their schedule wasn't the hardest, you know, um, no. but Spencer, let's let's just go ahead and you know let's let's jump in, you know, we go from the top to the bottom here, um, and so let's let's start off, um. I always forget to pull up the win totals. Um, I have them. Okay. I, I just like having them as well, so you're not having to repeat yourself or tell me every single time. Okay. All right. So we start off with the Clemson Tigers. Okay. Clemson Tigers, um, their over-under is 10. Um, here, are, here are some games on their schedule um, of note at Duke, FSU at home at Syracuse, at Miami, at NC State, North Carolina, and at South Carolina. Oh, yeah, also Notre Dame at home. Spencer, for me, for them to get over, it really comes down to can um, – uh, how am I – why am I struggling with this out the gate? Um, Riley th- – that can Garrett Riley really help them take advantage – of the offensive line and the offensive weapons that they have. Like that's kind of like that's how they get good over 10. If Garrett Riley is able to take advantage of these elite recruiting classes and this development that Clemson is known for on the same at the same time, the thing that will maybe hinder them uh, or that will keep them from those 10 wins is the fact of do they have wide receivers? That can actually be game-breaking instead of possession receivers, and what I mean by that is a lot of the receivers are tall and they have fast top speed, but they're not very quick. They're not the best in breaking in their routes. They're they are more of just big possession receivers, and can Clemson find those game game-breaking receivers that need that 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 need to be shut down? You know, like Quentin Johnson was that for TCU last year. Garrett Riley loved throwing to that kid, in, you know, in in space. And will he be able to do that with the, these wide receivers that are here? Sorry,
1: Sorry. yes, I <laughs> have Tade uh, Clubnick K- K- unlocking Garrett Riley's uh, offense as my will to reach uh, ten wins for the season as well. Of course, Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator from TCU, coming over. As a change of pace, that uh, the offense at at Clemson has been sort of stuck in the mud, and these last couple of years, and some of that might have been DJU. Some of that might have been the offensive system. So now, um, what's his name? Dabo Sweeney is trying mm-hmm. to uh, you know open things up. So um, Garrett Riley will come in and try to do that. And boy, Howdy, if they could make that get that done, then a guy like Will Shipley, might be able to get going um, a whole lot more than, than what he was last year. He might be able to break him open mm-hmm. a whole lot more. This is uh, Garrett Riley sort of comes from his brother Lincoln Riley's tree, and there's a lot of running and passing to their version of the air raid. So Will Shipley could be a guy that has a lot of fun in this new offense, but I think it's got to be Cade Klubnick unlocking the offense. They did go from 26 to 33 points a game last year. I think Cade was a little bit of a a part of that as he was a guy who got a chance to throw a hundred passes last year. Um, And again, some of that towards the end of the year, I guess, Um, now that I'm remembering it correctly, DJU sort of uh, playing most of the season, but they did have a better year last year. And uh, Garrett Riley certainly should be able to do that or, you know, keep that going. Yep. The, uh, my, my want for Clemson has to do with the defense. They gave up quite a few passing yards. I believe it was maybe it was South Carolina that hit them really hard through the air. Somebody else hit them pretty hard through the air, too. Maybe it was Wake Forest, if I'm remembering correctly now. Uh, But they got hit through the air a couple of times pretty hard, and and they bounced. uh, They dropped back from 15 points a game to 21 points a game. Again, not a huge difference, but also that's about seven points. That's about a touchdown more that they gave up. If that side of the ball without Brent Venables there slips again, what does that slip look like? Could that be something that keeps them from 10 wins? Maybe with Florida State and North Carolina being teams that you're going to have to face. Jeff Brom's offense um, at Louisville, you're going to have to face You're still going to have to deal with Dave Clawson and his offense at Wake Forest, Tyler Van Dyke. There is passing potential in this conference, NC state and Brennan Armstrong, along with their offensive coordinator, they're going to look to throw the ball around a lot. So there could be some big passing offense potential in the conference this year. If Clemson maybe shows another little bit of a fault there, maybe that could be a spot that keeps them from getting uh, to 10 wins. But, I think that's a tall order because this team has been winning 10 wins and, and double-digit wins for a long time. The defense has been really good for a long time. So um, that's I, I feel like I'm out on a limb with that one, but it's uh, something to consider.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Um, next is the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, it seems like they are everyone's darling this offseason. Um, coming in uh, to the 2023 season, a lot of people, I, I believe, are picking them. To you know, win the title or win the ACC title, make the playoff, or you know at least they are fully expected to be in the ACC championship game. Um, Spencer, go ahead and uh, give us your quick little um, for and against.
1: Yeah, so nine and a half is the total, like Rob said, and I think they will get there if they've turned off the noise. I know that's not over. Everything's back on this offense from production, from players to everything. You go through your field still. You go through all the things. It's all there. Jordan Travis is back. Everything's back. Uh, they maybe missed some rotational pieces that have moved on. Whatever. Everything that they need to power this offense again is back. They scored 36 points a game last year. That's about 10 more than the previous year everything's back. This team is ready to go. They've got the things that they need defensively. Turn the noise off. Turn the rat, you know, don't sip the rat poison, as Nick Saban would say, and let all the media attention, let all the conversation seep in and think that you're owed something now because you had a really good year last year, 10-3, and three, and now you're just expected because you're Florida State to step into the limelight and just roll with it. You got to keep that edge. You got to keep that chip on your shoulder. You got to turn that noise off. And I think that will be a way that they will reach 10 and a half. They will get to the conference championship game and they will win it if they can do that. My one big hang up with Florida State, because I was right there with everybody else waving the flag, ready to go. My one big hang up for them is what is the talent depth like? when you really if you really have to dig into it at some point this season.
0: Yeah, players are getting show banged up. up. At, yeah. Right.
1: If they didn't show up on the above 50% of the blue chip ratio. And even when factoring in their transfers, they only moved up a little bit like a couple of percentage points, maybe from like 38 to 41 or something like that. Like whatever the change was when their transfers were factored in, it didn't make a huge difference. So if this team starts to take on injuries, what does it look like from a depth standpoint for Florida State? And what happens if that sort of starts to catch up? That might be my one hindrance here, is have they created enough depth? Maybe they have to go after 10 wins, but I know their aspirations are a lot more. They want to be in the playoff at the end of the year. Have they done enough to make that kind of push from a depth standpoint, knowing that Clemson has it, knowing that LSU has it there at the start of the season, knowing that so many other programs uh, that they're going to be competing with in that playoff have uh, have that talent differential than what they have from a you know from a really deep standpoint. I know they built some, but is it enough? Okay,
0: um, so. I mean, I won't lie. I have, I, I have been on the FSU train, um, for, at least for the ACC. When it comes to you know competing and possibly win the ACC, I, I have been heavy on on the on the FSU train, and, and I would say even to a degree, I still I still am. However, my problem, my my my, what will keep them? From getting over that nine and a half for me is exactly what you said. It was almost like you read exactly what I had written down. It, it's it's their lack of depth comes into play. I think that is the only thing that will keep them. If you look at their starting tw- 22 um, on both sides of the ball, if you look at their starting 22, I I don't know if there are many teams that are more talented than they are from from, from the first string perspective. However – it is when they get to that second and third string layers that I just start to see, ugh, like that's rough, especially on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive line. If I, I think they have receivers for days, I, I think they're OK at quarterback. Um, if if Travis goes down for for a time running back, I think they're fine, too. But it is defensively on that defensive line and that front seven where I think they have issues if I'm not even saying if that players go down for a year, for the year, if players just go down for maybe a game or two, I I think they may be in trouble. However, what I think is going to help them go over is, dude. I think they're I think that they're able to win more than nine and a half games if they can continue to expose the defensive backfields of all of these teams they're going to play. Like I I truly believe in on that Sunday night of Labor Day weekend when they play LSU. LSU is breaking in, I think, three or four starting defensive backfield guys. They're, they already lost. They already kicked one off the team this past week. Um, LSU did. Um, that. One of the transfers they brought in that they were expecting to, to start for them. Um, FSU has these big, fast, track-like guys at wide receiver that truly can expose the entire ACC of defensive backfields. They could, they could lose that LSU game, and I still think they could just throttle everyone else on their schedule just because of their – just because these big freaking human beings that they have playing at wide receiver, man. They've got 6'4". Uh, yeah, yeah, like there's <laughs> – I'm just trying to find all their heights and stuff, and I can't see it. Oh, 6'4", 6'3", 6'5", 6'3", 6'4". Like that is insane to me that they have so many guys. And then and then in the slots, you know, they are smaller. They're 5'9, five, 5'10, five, and then but then 6'2 and 6'2. Like they have they have just height everywhere and anywhere that, you know, to expose you. And so that's that's where I'm at with FSU. I, I really like Jordan Travis. Um I don't I don't know if he's a Heisman candidate quarterback, but I still think he's a really good quarterback in the system. And I, I think he's gonna just be able to throw for days on teams. So all right, Spencer. Next, the Pittsburgh Panthers. Would you would you would you agree with me? Like, the Pittsburgh Panthers are just the most enigmatic team in the ACC. Like, they'll win two games that they're absolutely not supposed to win, and then they'll just be mediocre the rest of the year. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. That's- I think I see what you're saying when you say that. Yeah, I see what you're saying.
0: Like, now, this year, they have a, like, I I know I'm supposed to start this off. I'll just say, Spencer, I think they can go over seven. And this isn't even player or personnel or coach-related. It is by the simple schedule that they have. I think they can go over seven. Spencer, they play Wofford, Cincinnati, West Virginia. They They do play a North Carolina team which we don't really know what they are. They play a an at a Virginia Tech team that we don't expect a lot from. They play a Louisville team who we, that we do definitely don't expect a lot from. They play at Wake who they, they're a little confusing too to know who they are. Then they play Boston College. and then you' you're, you're telling that that's one, two, three, four, five, six games that I know that they're probably going to win. And then you turn around and you tell me that their their coin flip games are Wake. Notre Dame, FSU, Syracuse, and Duke. Like, Spencer, I I really think that this schedule allows them to possibly win seven or more games. Like, they could be this year's kind of Duke, where, and I'm not saying it's fake. I mean, you you can only, you can't choose who you pick every year, but they could end up being like an eight-win team, but not really, but only be able to do that because of the schedule that they have. On the flip side, where they will not be able to do this. I think it, if they just continue to have inconsistency at quarterback since Kenny Pickett left, man, like last year, Keaton Slovis was fine. You know, Nick, Um, he had uh, Slovis had eight touchdowns, eight, inter- 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Nick Patty came in and, and started the bowl game for them uh, in, in 21. Last year just wasn't too, I mean, they went nine and four. But this year they they bring in Phil Djokovic, um, as a transfer, and, and I really just kind of think if and and I'm, I don't expect a lot from Djokovic, and I think that's probably what hinders them is if Djokovic, just can't be a game manager. Like I, I feel like that's what pit quarterbacks have been except for Kenny Pickett um lately and and, and and that's not a shot like I just think their offense is conducive and prospers when they have a proper game manager at quarterback they don't have to have someone who's going to be wheeling dealing even though I prefer it I like watching whenever they do that Pat Narduzzi when he's allowed the offense to open up they've done really good things but when I look at the schedule they have and I look at the the kind of talent they're going to be playing against and the talent they have themselves. I think just if Phil Dracovic cannot meet that game manager model, I, I think that that will keep them from their seven wins.
1: Yeah, so I've definitely got a better quarterback play circled here to reach those seven uh, seven wins that's the over and under. Uh, there, was a, there was a lot of turnovers last year for Keaton Slovis, both uh, interceptions and fumbles, had nine interceptions. There were bad fumbles. Uh, all the way through, and some of them weren't even on uh, Keaton Slovis. It was just the offense got hit with turnovers a lot last year. So, if Filgerkovit can be better with turnovers, they've got he's he's teaming back up with uh, an offensive coordinator that Pitt hired away from Boston College last offseason. So, if the two of them can get back on the same style and uh, an NFL style offense. Um, that could be beneficial to Jerkovic, who posted his best performance, 17 touchdowns and just five interceptions with this new coordinator or this uh, this coordinator from Boston College. Then I think that that will go a long way. They're definitely going to have to find a new running back. Last year's 1,400-yard, 20-touchdown, and six yards per carry uh, performance from Israel. Not going to try to say his last name, but uh, from Israel. Um, was, was, was one of the tops in the country in All-American honors. And that's probably going to be another big spot that they're going to need um, to make up at. But yeah, I want to see more. I want to see better turnover managing from the quarterback. And then the, the one thing that I have missing for them, or at least not letting them get to seven wins, is uh, the pass rush not reloading like it did last season they, they've they gone back-to-back years of reloading their pass rush if that fails this upcoming season then uh, that could go a long way to sort of keeping them um, from that those seven wins but I mean they won nine games last year and like you mm-hmm. said Rob there's a really great opportunity to get back to nine wins again this year if Jerkovic <laughs> settles into the offense and that side of the ball gets going. I think Pat Narduzzi's defense will be good again, even without the pass rush. I think they have a a, a decent chance at being good again. But um, if I was going to circle one thing that would say, you know, maybe they don't make it, uh, we'll go with, the, with that pass rush.
0: Yeah. Um, Spencer, I'm going to let you start us off, though, next with the North Carolina Tar Heels.
1: Well, North Carolina won nine games last year with Drake May alone because the defense wasn't good last year. And that kind of seems to be the theme of Mac Brown. Sam Howell and the offense or Drake May and the offense. And then, you know, you just sort of do you you hope to roll the dice and get a good day from the defense. And that got him nine games last year. So the fact that eight and a half is their number again this year, and Drake May's back. It feels pretty good to just say, as long as Drake May keeps Drake Maying, then you got a really good chance to go after nine wins again uh, this upcoming season for North Carolina. Who's going to play South Carolina to start the season? App State, Minnesota, at Pittsburgh. That's not a cakewalk of September. Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, at Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke, at Clemson, at NC State. I won't call that a cakewalk. But again, uh, it doesn't sound overwhelming either because you get a lot of stuff at home. There's a stretch of three games at home in October. Absolutely. There's a stretch of uh, you know, two more games there to start November at home. So there's plenty of opportunity for North Carolina to be really good on offense. And if they're able to lean on Drake May, I think that goes a long way. The Phil Longo exit could be why they don't get here. Now, that's not what I have written down. But as I'm yeah, talking I that out, Thanks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Phil Longo being gone might be the uh, the the catalyst there. But I wrote down defense continues to struggle because I just felt like that is, I was trying not to be fancy here because it feels like that's the big thing for North Carolina right now. They can win nine games with their offense alone, almost. Just get a better defense and you could be in the ACC, you could be winning the ACC, you could be in the thick of the playoff
0: hunt. Yeah, man. I So I wrestle this because like I, I don't know if you feel this way too. I want to really like North Carolina. Right? I mean, do you feel like we that have way for too? a long time? Yeah, we yeah, have everybody yeah, has. Yes, Matt yes.
1: Brown's a fun story. It's you know, he's he's come out of the TV booth. He's the old guy. Yeah. It's he's 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 making something happen at his old school. Yeah, it's everything's fun about this until now. It just feels like well,
0: because, come on. Yeah. Well, because everyone was shocked that he hired back Gene Chiswick. You know? Like and, I mean, and TV I, booth as well. Yeah, like and is Gene Chiswick still their defense coordinator? I just can't remember off the top of my head. Um, that's correct, yes. Yeah, like that's a problem. Dude, since you've gotten there and you hired Gene Chiswick, your defense has continued to look atrocious. It has been it has been paper towel downy soft. And I'm not talking about like when it's sturdy and dry. I'm talking about wet downy pay- Like, soft. It has been so bad. Like, so bad. Even in their wins last year, Spencer. Like, just here's some of the scores that they – just points they gave up. Not even pointing out whether they won or lost. 24-61, 28-45, 24-35, 24-28, 34-30, and 39. Like, they gave up 61 points to Appalachian State. That's that's absurd.
1: Yeah, so, a, real quick, uh, first year, yeah, first year defensive coordinator Char- uh Charlton Warren, yep, uh, is co-defensive coordinator with Tommy Thigpen, and then former Auburn head coach Gene T- Chizik is in his second year as associate head coach or assistant head coach for the defense. So maybe you've got too many cooks in the kitchen.
0: Maybe. Or I mean, also I mean I think I think also I mean gene Chiswick may not be good like as a defense coordinator because I mean because to your point there are there does seem to be too many cooks in the kitchen, but apparently none of them cooks can teach these guys how to tackle um because that continues to be a problem and that that's that, that's why they won't hit eight and a half eight and a half for me is if they are unable to just be better on defense. I'm not even saying you have to be elite on defense, man. just be better. be better. Raise that raise that that um that floor just a little bit on your defense and make them actually someone who can get a stop whenever whenever when the game's on the line. and the the way that they're going to is it, for me is just simple um. How like if they're able to overcome losing Phil Longo. Were you able to bring in another offensive coordinator who can produce who can produce numbers and yards and take advantage of elite quarterback play? Because we know that Drake May will be an elite quarterback. You know, no one's gonna take Caleb Williams over him, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I would not be unhappy at all if he was my quarterback. In fact, in our quarterback draft, I think I drafted Drake May. Because I think the kid is really freaking good and he's only a sophomore. So that's where I'm at with North Carolina. Anything to add to that before we move on, Spence?
1: Chip, Chip Lindsey is the new offensive coordinator.
0: Okay. I, I should have mentioned him. I'm sorry. I just went it. Um, all right. So, North Carolina, man, just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just ready for, and, you know, and he won nine games last year. North Carolina's not going to fire. Matt Brown after winning nine games, you know, like no one's going to do that. And but he returns nine on offense and eight on defense. I mean, I, I just, I swear, I hope that they have a better year this year. All right, Spencer, the Miami hurricanes, the, I would say one of the most divisive teams in the ACC did depending on who you talk to. You have some people who think, Oh man, like you expect big things from them or other people who say, you know Mario Cristobal just continues to show that he is not a great, a great, a, you know, a great head coach. Um, I like to lean a little bit in the middle. I don't know where you are with them, but I'm in the middle. However, when we're looking at this Miami team for this year, their over-under is just 7.5. Here are some of their games this year. They have Miami of Ohio, Bethune-Cookman. They have Temple, Georgia Tech, Virginia, at NC State, and at Boston College. Those are three, four, five, six, seven. Those are seven very winnable games just right there. And then here are their games that are kind of toss-ups or games that they're probably going to lose. A&M at North Carolina, Clemson at FSU, and then Louisville, even though I'd probably put Louisville in the win, in the win game, the wins column. Miami, I think, gets over this seven and a half wins total if Mario Cristobal made the right hire at offense coordinator. I know that may sound simplistic and easy, but I really do think it just comes down to that. Because I think last year, they're, they're, them losing five games or only winning five games had everything to do with who their offensive coordinator was. I I do I put it solely on Mario Cristobal and their offensive coordinator. Not being able to take advantage of the elite talent they have at quarterback, the, the great offensive line play that they had last year at times, and the, just the skill positions along with the defense that they have, I, I think it comes down to them getting over the hump, over that 7.5 hump, just by, hey, did we make the right hire? The way that they won't, the way that they won't be able to do this, Spencer, is I really think if they're unable to play bully ball at times, I really think that there there are things in the ACC that can help you win games, win close games, especially when your team's like Miami, and that is can you can you press on a team, can you press down on their throat, and can you win the game by just like breaking their will. And I think that is a reason why they won't be able to win seven and a half games if they're unable to break their opponent's will by being able to run at them. You can't let t- Tyler Van Dyke do everything. You've got to be able to run the ball and, and run down team's throat. Yeah.
1: So seven and a half is that win total. And Shannon Dawson and uh, Tyler Van Dyke fa- finding success, I agree, will be the way that they get there. Shannon Dawson is an original Uh, Air Raid guy, having worked alongside Hal Mummy and Dana Holgerson. um, He's evolved using the tight ends, more of of a balanced and physicality to go along with those original pass heavy schemes. So they'll do some of that, I think. So you can kind of mark him in that sort of maybe Lincoln Riley style of uh, Air Raid offenses. Um, His time at West Virginia, they scored 40 points a game in 2011 and 2012. And then reunited with Holgerson these last two seasons at Houston, where they scored 36 points a game. Like you said, Rob, Tyler Van Dyke is way too talented for your offense to only score 24 points a game last year and be as anemic as it was and have such a hard time uh, like it did. So Tyler Van Dyke's way too talented. You got to put him in a much more uh, conducive situation to go out and put up big numbers. And I think this Dawson offense should be uh, the first big step uh, to making that happen. I think uh, for the downside of things, and, and this is probably, you know, not getting to that seven and a half this probably plays into Miami's hands because this is one of those things that they're probably checking off as like a, "We feel good about this being accomplished." Freshman offensive Lyman with Mario Cristobal, who is a offensive line coach, don't develop the way that they're expecting. That could be the way that, uh, that you slow this offense down. You have another year of 25 points a game and that not being enough, and that uh, holding things up for year two under Mario Cristobal and uh, Tyler Van Dyke's career there at Miami ends on a sour note. So I think the offensive line uh, the freshmen on that offensive line are going to be big and uh, getting them to develop is going to be very big.
0: Spencer, let me, let me, I know we haven't really done this with any teams, but I, I'm, I'm just curious to see where you're at with Miami. Are you kind of leaning towards them being over, being on the over and competitive or are you, man, I just, I just don't think I just don't, I don't know if this is the year. Where Where are you at with them this year?
1: So, Mario Cristobal probably doesn't get a lot of enough credit for his time at Oregon and the things that they did win over Mm -hmm. there because they didn't necessarily do enough with NFL quarterback, Justin Herbert. Um, so I think I'm on the, um, I'm on the over I'm on the, this is a team that has a big chance, uh, to, oh boy, this is a team that has a chance to 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 be really good this upcoming season. I think they're going to get more talented. I'm not telling you they're going to win 10 games this year, but I think they've got a chance to do much, much better, much, much better work, and continue to improve. Uh, his time at Miami didn't, or his time at Oregon, didn't they win conference championships over there? Like I feel like 13, 14 win seasons over there at Oregon uh, at times, and then 13... uh uh, or 10 wins again, uh, 12 and 10, I'm sorry, were the, were the winning seasons there. So I, I like the way he builds. I know there's still some question marks that he's got to overcome, but, you know, uh, Kirby had question marks. Nick Saban had a couple, I guess, early on, and uh, I'm sure some of those other guys, you know, early on had question marks. Um, so there's still time to get all that figured out and fixed and get over the hump. Um, I'm fine with Miami. I've got, I'm not panicking or, or pushing any sort of concerning buttons um, for Mario Cristobal.
0: Yeah, man, I I, I kind of lean more on the positive route uh, w- when it comes to Cristobal. Not really c- because of anything that he has shown me, even though I do think you're right. Like, he deserves more credit for the things that he has done as a coach. I, I kind of give the guy credit for firing his OC after one year and realizing, hey, this was a bad hire and a bad fit. I, I think there is something to be said about that in a positive way, um, and and seeing like you were willing, you're willing to do anything to win, including putting your pride aside that you made a bad hire. You know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at um, with them. I I just kind of I I know that we we're we're not, I'm not gonna do that with every team. I just kind of wanted to see where you're at because I just think of all the teams in this conference, Miami is the one that you just don't really know. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, so.
1: Did you call them a box of chocolates?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, last year, yeah. You're, I mean, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Ugh, you had Tom Hanks, whatever. Um. Okay. Um, Spencer, NC State. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you start us off with NC State.
1: Yeah, so – Not the best year last year, although they did get to eight wins. And I think two or three of those were or two of them were with three different backup quarterbacks. Uh, So while last year, I think in a lot of ways was a disappointment when you really take a magnifying glass and you go in and you think, hey, man, we still won eight games. And Devin Leary was injured for most of the year and then backup quarterbacks got injured. And the fact that we were still able to score, uh, what is it? You know, you only scored twenty-four points a game last season and still won eight games. Again, you feel kind of good, like, hey, we dodged a bit. We we dodged a bullet last year. Could have been a lot worse. You should get a better year from quarterback play this year. Brendan Armstrong is transferring in from Virginia. He's going to team back up with. Um, Robert Anai, A N A E, after Tim, yeah, as, as the offensive coordinator. Tim Beck is leaving for the head coaching job, I believe, at Coastal Carolina. So Robert Anu Anai comes in. He's going to team up with Armstrong. They were together at Virginia when Armstrong threw for 31 touchdowns, and Virginia had a really incredible year uh, a couple of seasons ago. So the two of those guys getting back on the same page together, I think will be the way that they reach seven wins this upcoming year and the way that they become really, really difficult to slow down offensively. And then the way that this won't happen, the defensive line doesn't hold up their end. I believe they are replacing quite a bit up front on the defensive line this upcoming season. Lots of guys have, uh, have, have dipped out. For the upcoming year, several 2022 starters have departed. Many were multi year star players uh, for the defense Drake Thomas, Tanner Engel, uh, Isaiah Moore, Tyler Baker Williams, Cyrus Fagan, Corey Durden, Derek Pitts. Like you're losing a lot of guys up front. Could that be a problem? Maybe it will be. If you can't get teams off the field, then maybe a nigh and Armstrong aren't able to quite set things on fire the way that they would like to.
0: Sorry, you, you do not, you do not bore me into a yawn. I, I'm just tired. Um, I, I think you're right. Like for me, I was on the same side as far as like what's going to keep them. It's just defensive depth, their defensive line. You, like Spencer, do you remember like their defensive line, like constantly year in and year out being talked about as being one of the elite groups? Like do you remember that those years? I do. And I'm not saying they can't be that this year, but i I don't i don't I'm not hearing about that this year. We're not we're not seeing. We're not hearing you know, talk looking at these spring games or t- hearing about these scrimmages that we're not hearing that NC states, you know, defensive line man, oh man, they just reloaded. it's It's kind of like, well, we kind of just hope he's the guy. And when you lose, six starters on defense, and you don't have the guy right, replacing them, Like it kind of gives you a little bit of hesitation. So defensive depth is the problem for me. I, I'm actually pretty high on Brennan Armstrong, and so like that's that's kind of where I'm at. It, like They get over seven wins, Spencer. If, if Brennan Armstrong can go back to being the guy he was in 2021, he had an awful year last year. I think that has to do with OC changes, offensive line just being abysmal, and just constant drops. He was abused last year. He should have been going to a domestic shelter because of how bad he was getting beat up because his O-line was so awful. But he comes into he he, he comes into a, a system at, at NC State where I know, for one thing, that they will have an offensive line that protects him well. And I think they're able to do it just by Brandon Armstrong and, like you said, coming back together with his old OC. Because if people don't remember this, I, I wish I had his stats in front of me um, from that 21 season, but Brendan Armstrong, like, Spencer, you remember he had astronomical numbers, right? Like, like, uh, you know, he, he had Heisman type numbers. He just played on a really bad team in Virginia, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to to watch this team this year. This is kind of like quietly one of those teams that I will make sure I constantly have on, um, on one of the TVs whenever they're playing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to to watch them this year. Um, Dex Spencer is the Louisville Cardinals. All right. So Louisville comes in this year. They are bringing, they they have Jake Plummer seniors are starting quarterback. They are returning six players on offense, seven on defense. However, they're bringing in a coach who has like this school has wanted him for years now. And they have brought in Jeff Brom, the infamous <laughs> big 10 killer at, at Purdue. And he is known for taking far lesser talent than the teams he plays and just scheming the crap out of wins. And he comes into an ACC this year that is a little down, but Spencer, I, I'm just, I'm just of the mindset that, you know, they're over under, uh, I didn't have it in front of me. They're over under his eight wins and, man, that's high. Uh, I They don't do this. They're not able to hit eight wins because the cupboard is kind of bare. I think that Scott Satterfield did not do a good job at Louisville. I don't think he did a good job of bringing in quality talent for what Louisville should be able to bring in. I, I really I, – I'm very down on Louisville this year, and I know that's – I, I hate being, like, negative on teams – but, like, they're over under eight. Like, that's laughable to me because I don't I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they have a lot of talent, and I think that's what's going to show and why they don't hit eight wins. However, on the same time, I'm going to give credit to Jeff Brom because I, I think he is a fantastic coach. If they get over eight wins or if they hit eight wins for me, it is by the sheer fact that Jeff Brom was the right hire for this program, and he continues to do what he did at Purdue – And that's take lesser talent. And, you know, he's almost like, I mean, I'm sure, I know there's like a modern rendition of it, but you and I, we grew up watching, you know, at times watching MacGyver, where, you know, kids who are listening or people who don't know, like he would take, just take the, bare minimum of things a paperclip rubber band and you know a soda can and somehow create some kind of gun or some kind of diffusing bomb to get out of the situation and i kind of just think if jeff Brom can macgyver this thing this year I, I really do think that that will be the only way that they're able to get over eight wins
1: yeah so i have a lot to do with uh, jeff brahm as well obviously um Brahman like Rob said all of his success at Purdue lesser uh talent really doing a lot of um revolutionary kind of things over at at Purdue uh coming in from Western Kentucky Jeff used to be a quarterback here of course uh way back when and was even an offensive coordinator here for a long time his brother is the offensive coordinator now Brian Braum. he also played here at Louisville so Big, big time reunion here for the Brom family, and that's one of the reasons why Louisville is as excited as they are. Jake Plummer, Jack Plummer, is taking over at quarterback, like Rob mentioned, and he was a former Purdue quarterback. So he is familiar with the offense. He is expected to step in and should be able to get things going right away. And they've got uh, Kevin Coleman at wide receiver who's averaging right around 15 uh, yards a reception. There's also a, I believe it's a Jamari Thrash, who's averaging about 17 yards per catch in his career. So if those guys can get the vertical stuff going, there could be reason to unlock this offense. And that's how I think I have them getting to eight wins or what I think is going to get them to eight wins is similar to what Rob mentioned, that, Ah, uh, Jack Plummer unlocks this offense. They get it going. They scheme the things that they want to scheme to get the guys who are talented, who have the things to ah uh, to, you know, to bring to the table, get those guys going uh, in the offense, and that Jack Plummer is going to be a huge, huge factor in the whole thing. Um, Louisville sort of matching up in a lot of ways with NC State here. Um, new offense, that's going to be the key to their success, but they're replacing a lot defensively. Uh, This is another uh, Louisville team who is in that same boat as well. They have lost a good little bit. They do have, according to Phil, still seven returning starters on defense, but I believe it's from a depth standpoint that this group is having to, um, this group is having uh, to replace a, a good bit of folks for uh, that side of the football. So I'm, uh, I'm expecting the offense to sort of carry the way here for Louisville. And if they don't make it to eight wins, it's going to have a lot to do with maybe that defensive side of the ball doesn't quite come along as uh, they maybe had to scrape the bottom of the barrel in certain areas to, uh, to replace guys that have exited.
0: Are, are you on? Are you kind of feeling like Jeff Brom is going to come in and do a good job, like out the gate? Or do you think he needs a year?
1: No, I think I think Jack Plummer, um, and and some of the pieces offensively are gonna have them right where they need to be. defensively, yes, um, they do return their their rusher from last year, who was almost six yards a carry and eight hundred yards. Uh, I think there's some pieces on that offense that will fit into the scheme that they want. I think there will at the very least, I'm expecting there to be moments, maybe even games where we're like, oh, yeah, and Louisville fans are like, oh, yeah, that's what we're looking for, and that might not all come together and be consistent in every single game as the year goes by, uh, but I think we'll at the very least have some flashes. I think we'll have signs of things pointed in the right direction. I can't imagine Jeff Brom, you know, outside of a major injury wave, you know, that things go into the tank. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm expecting them to be very competitive as long as they stay healthy.
0: Yeah. That might be fair. I just thinking out loud, like I'm just going into tonight. Like I, I, I just knew that I was negative on Louisville, and now that I'm talking it out, like I still, kind of, I still kind of feel like a little bit, a little down on them. But I think you make, a, I think you make good points, Spencer. Um, I think, well, it, I it, it, and and it's just like a, it's an anti Satterfield move feeling it's not an anti-brom thing it yeah um okay
1: and that that situation played out poorly for him and for louisville in terms of flirting with the south carolina job flirting with whatever felt like he flirted with two different jobs yeah and so it was kind of like dude what are you like what's going on here and so it ended uh, right over 500 i think just over 500 was the Overall record, I had it here in front of me just a second ago, 25 and 24 is Satterfield's record there over four seasons. So um, he did some things statistically uh, on offense that were really, really nice. You know, um, what's his name at quarterback? Cunningham surpassed a couple of statistical categories over over Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, they did some things offensively oh, uh, here yeah. at Louisville that were, yeah, that were really nice. I don't know what they were. I don't have yeah. them right in front of me.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I really did like him. Um, their quarterback, I, I did, I did enjoy. Yeah, him. Um,
1: most career, most career touchdowns in Louisville history over Lamar Jackson. Um, mm. Nine nine thousand yards passing, three thousand yards rushing. Um, yeah, I mean, he he did he did he did a lot of really nice things from he, a, he,
0: from a stat accumulation yeah. standpoint. He kept things together, definitely. All right, Spencer. Next is the Duke Blue Devils, who <laughs> went 9-4 last year and is returning 10 players on their offense and eight on defense. You have Mike Elko, former defensive coordinator that everyone wanted, who I think – correct me if I'm wrong. He was at Wake, went to Notre Dame, then went to A&M, and then got hired as a head coach. I think that's right.
1: I believe that's correct.
0: Yeah. Um, Dude is a baller um, man I was able to pull that off the top of my head. I'm proud of myself there. Uh, he's coming in his second year here at Duke. Again, they return a ton of talent. they they won they won nine games last year, Spencer, but they're walking into they're walking to a schedule this year that is really difficult. like last year he, here's just their schedule because I just this isn't like I don't want to crap on them. I just want to kind of prove a point about 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 why I feel or like what I'm gonna show out there. Their schedule, Temple, Northwestern, North Carolina AT at Kansas, Virginia, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, at Miami, at Boston College, Virginia Tech, at Pitt, and Wake. That was last year's. That was last year's schedule. Not not the best, not the hardest schedule on the block. Um this year though, and, and, and they have some very winnable games, but they had played Lafayette, Northwestern at UConn, NC State, at Virginia, and Pitt. And then they also have Clemson, Notre Dame, at FSU, at Louisville, Way Forest, and at North Carolina. So still some winnable games, but much tougher. I mean, they play play the two – they play three. I mean, even though – they play – I'm considering Notre Dame in this conversation just because – Like Notre Dame has that, you know, current deal with ACC. They play Clemson, Notre Dame, and FSU, which already makes their schedule harder than it was last year. Spencer, for me, the reason why they're able to get over six wins comes down to one. It's twofold. One is Mike Elko continuing to be an awesome coach and 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 be a head coach that no one really knew, no one really talked about. But also Riley Leonard continuing to rise above the ashes of Duke football and be this incredible quarterback that everyone was kind of really shocked by. This kid was really good last year, Spencer. Um I I was trying to pull up his stats right in front of me. He just rushing alone ran he, man, the kid ran for for 812 yards and 13 touchdowns. He threw for 2900 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like he was he was a production machine. And so I think that is how they are able to get over that six-win mark this year. And and then I I would say the the reason why they're not is what I was just talking about, is that their schedule is much more difficult. The attrition will be be more difficult. Also, the teams that they do play, some of them themselves take a step forward. You know, we talked about NC State taking a step forward. You know, um, Pittsburgh, not really knowing where they're going to be. You know, North Carolina, we expect, hopefully, to take a step up. Louisville not really knowing what they could be but like you just talked about like Je- with Jeff Brom they actually might be way more formidable than they have been this schedule is really tough on them however I, I I don't want to disqualify them to be able to do this kind of thing again because they do return so much of this team's uh, team last year but I do think Spencer like just I'm going a little bit more in depth I tr- I'm trying to keep it more condensed this week on this episode but you're you're losing Darius Joyner and Shaka Hayward, but you still return as far as on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Simpson, Cam Dillon, Brennan Johnson, and Chan the Rivers. You've still got four of your top six tacklers and top defensive players coming back, along with along with four others. This team could, man, they could they could kind of do this again. What do you think about the Duke Blue Devils?
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're sort of. We're simpatico here, um,
0: great. But I'm also re- word
1: usage, great. Word thank usage. you very much. But I'm I'm stealing sort of my my thought from FSU. Don't get to don't get blinded by the light. You know, Duke's not normally in this position where sort of everybody's kind of cheering them on. Everybody's kind of celebrating Duke. Everybody's you know that was not a big piece of the puzzle. At least it's been a while. Uh, since David Cutcliffe really had them on the cutting edge and had them in the a little bit of the limelight. So don't get blinded by the light. Don't think that you've arrived. Don't think that, uh, you know, something is just owed to you now. Don't lose that chip on your shoulder. I also mentioned uh, some turnover uh, luck that they had last year. They had a really good defense in, in creating uh, some turnovers. So on that side of the ball, you know, if they can continue to force turnovers, Iowa has been a great place that's been able to do that, but it doesn't happen very often in, uh, in other places that you can put year after year after year of creating turnovers. Sometimes there's just a lot of luck that goes into those. But ultimately, if they can continue to get some turnover success and not be blinded by the light, I think six wins could be there. But just like you said, Rob, this schedule is really, really difficult. They need to get off to a hot start. They need to have a strong performance against Clemson, I think, Parlay that into wins over Lafayette, Northwestern, and Kentucky, or um, Connecticut, and then, yeah, you're going to have to steal something on the road. You're going to have to steal that Louisville game on the road. You're going to need to take advantage of potentially NC State being willy, willing to uh, sling the ball all over the field and maybe pick off some of those passes, turn those into touchdowns, and you know those games against Virginia and Pitt. Uh, The game against Wake Forest, yeah, I think uh, those three wins in September are going to go a long way. And then NC State, Louisville, Wake Forest, Virginia, Pitt, I think those are, you know, any combination of those games could get you back to six, maybe even seven wins. And could you potentially steal the Notre Dame game? Potentially. Or steal the North Carolina game? Potentially. So you know, I don't think uh, maybe North Carolina being a little bit more of a manageable stealing situation there, but ultimately, I think Duke has an opportunity to get the six wins, but you're mm-hmm. right, the
0: schedule's going to be tough. And, and Spencer, to give them credit too, man, they were actually pretty darn good on the road last year. they They went three at three and three and three on the road. They won at Northwestern, they won at Miami and at Boston College. Now, I'm not saying those are you know those are tough, horrible games. But still, like, you, you just don't normally hear teams like Duke, no offense to them, but you don't hear teams like Duke going on the road and winning games in conference, you know? Um, you play, usually play Duke for your homecoming game. And um, I kind of hope a couple of those teams did so they could have lost. <laughs> um, Spencer, break us down, man, and, and talk to us about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons.
1: Yeah, six and a half is the win total for Wake Forest this upcoming season. Obviously, Sam Hartman exits to Notre Dame. They won nine games last year. Dave Clawson is always very, very good here. They always seem to be around uh, a really nice win total at the end of the year, at least a winning record at the end of the year, the COVID year being a little bit of a different uh, uh, tilt for them. But um, they're going to be doing – Uh, Some different things going forward here uh, with the new quarterback, and I believe his name is uh, Mitch Griffiths. He's a sophomore. He played a little bit last year when Sam Hartman was out at the beginning of the season, and he played well. Um, So there's my will. You can get back to six and a half wins, or seven wins, I guess. Uh, You can go over six and a half if the offense doesn't skip too much of a beat without Sam Hartman. Feels like we've—it's been a while since we've had an offense in uh, Winston-Salem without Sam Hartman. But I think this is a group that is going to need, um, you know, to to survive without uh, survive without Sam Hartman. Uh, the won't if they can't reload on either the offense or the defensive line. I think they have got to be able to protect whoever that quarterback is and defensively, they've got some work to do there as well. So I think the won't is going to have a lot to do with the trenches. The will will have a lot to do with how well they replace Sam Hartman.
0: No, I actually completely agree with you. I, Spencer, I, I think they go over, they go over their win total of six and a half wins. If their offense continues to be quarterback proof. Um, that, that I mean, yes, yeah, Sam Hartman is, you know, the winning or not winning us. Yes. He's, you know, as far as statistics, most prolific ACC quarterback ever, you know, as far as touchdowns and yards. I'm not trying to take away from that. Like he's done a great job. However, we've just kind of known Dave Clawson's offense to c- continue to do things like this, to produce big numbers. You're you're going to throw the ball in space. You're going to throw the ball deep. You're like I, I and they they're going to win six and a half games if they continue to be that, if they continue to be quarterback proof just like just like Missouri used to be just like Oklahoma State used to be and under Mike Leach just like his offenses used to be you knew that if a quarterback got picked by those programs during that time or Texas Tech you knew that numbers were going to get put up and i kind of just think i kind of hope and think that that's going to continue to happen but at the same time on the other side of the on the other side of the coin though they're not able to do this Spencer if they're not – if they need it, if they need Sam Hartman, if they need um, big plays from him like they had, if they need that quarterback who's just better than just plug and play, I, I really do think this is going to – I'm not going to try to change the game for Wake Forest. They're not going to play elite defense. They've they've never really played elite defense since Mike Elko left, and, and I just don't expect that from them. So what I think has to happen is – it is on both sides of getting it or not getting it relies on how does our offense produce. And I, I, that's kind of where I'm leaning for them. Um, all right, Spencer next is, and tonight's ACC hat that I'm wearing is Syracuse. Um, and I cheer for the Syracuse basketball team, not football team. Um, we're going to Syracuse and, you know, Syracuse, man, like their, their win totals at six and a half. A lot of people have them winning, like p- have picked them to win the over. I sure, I guess. Um, they have Garrett Schrader come in this year. Um, he comes in from Mississippi State, and um, yeah, their their win total, Spencer. I think Syracuse is baffling to me. Like I, this is why I'm I'm stumbling a little bit with my words because. I did not think Dabo Babers would make it this long at Syracuse. This yeah, guy, Babers. what did I say? I Dabo, Dabo, uh, yeah, uh, Dino Babers. I, 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 I just did not expect him to to still be here. Um, he has not had. He's had one winning season since two thousand eighteen. Um, they went five and seven, one and ten, five and seven, and last year seven and six. For me, I guess. The the best way to put this, and it's going to sound harsh, is that they don't win. They don't go over six and a half wins if Dino Babers hasn't gotten better as a head coach. However, at the same time, if they are able, able, I don't know why I said that. If they are able, my gosh, I can't speak. If they are able to get over six and a half wins, it's because Jason Beck was the right hire to take over as the OC. You know, it was an internal promotion, so you know you don't under you don't. Some people don't know if that's a if that's the best thing. However, like I mean, it seems like they did get offensively. They had a hot start um, once he started kind of taking over, and if they're able to if they're able to get over six wins, it will be because their offense and just their offense being formidable, being being something to b- worry about. And so they do have some schedule issues this year. They have some, you know, as far as it just being kind of difficult. But I think they're able to do this, man, with, you know, again, Jason Beck. But it's they're going to be hindered if Dino Babers is just isn't the guy. And this, and this season proves that, I guess, for them.
1: I think there's seven wins on this schedule. Colgate, Western Michigan at Purdue. I think it'll be tough, but I think that's a winnable game. Uh, Army at West Point, tough but a winnable game at Virginia, Boston College, and uh, potentially uh, – or oh, uh, at Georgia Tech. I think there's there's seven wins right there, I think, if, if I just counted correctly. So I think the, the over here is very possible for Syracuse, and one way that it will happen is if Garrett Schrader takes another step forward at quarterback, especially if it's a really nice step forward because according to Pick 6 Preview, he had made some big jumps from the year prior to this year from a stat standpoint. So I like Garrett Schrader. If he can improve upon 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions, 65% pass completion, if they can find a way to improve upon that, then maybe it'll go a long way. Nine more touchdowns uh, on the ground for Garrett Schrader. So again, if he can just take another step forward, I think that could go a long way here. Um, They've got a really nice uh, target in their tight end. or Donnie Gadson, I believe, is that uh, is the name yep. for the tight end, six yep. foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds.
0: So Wait, I, I think he am just saying you said his name right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yep. Very good.
1: Um, so I think Garrett Schrader taking another step at quarterback is going to be very important. As you know, having good quarterback play is important for every team. Um, Rocky Long is taking over the defense. I think they will miss their six and a half win total if Rocky Long doesn't maintain the defensive success that they've been having at Syracuse under Dino Babers the last two seasons. In 2020, they went from 34 points a game. In 20 uh, From 2020 to 2021, they went from 34 to 26. And then last year, from 26 to 23 points a game allowed. So I think if they can find a way this season to, at the very least, maintain that 23 points a game, it'll go a long way. And I know Syracuse fans that might be listening are thinking to themselves, heck yeah, man, because that's definitely going to happen because uh, Rocky Long is might be 75 years old, but he's the winningest <laughs> head coach in New Mexico history and the second winningest head coach in San Diego State history. So they feel really good about checking that list or checking that box that Rocky Long's going to come in, and he's going to maintain this defense because, boy, howdy, they won, I believe, three Mountain West titles over five years with the Aztecs from 2012 to 2016. So Rocky Long and the Syracuse defense, the the Sarah's defense, going to go a long way here uh, to get into (laughs) six-and-a-half (laughs) wins. You suck. You, You have to bring
0: that. Oh, my gosh. I know that, that their there.
1: nickname is not Sarah's. It's the Q's, and I say Sarah's just to pick on Robbie because of the hat that he's wearing and his basketball fandom for uh, good old Carmelo Anthony.
0: And Jim Behai, Come on, man. I, I can list a whole lot more players than just that. Um, All right. Sister, I can't. The, Bo- the Boston College Eagles is your next assignment. Go ahead.
1: Jeff Halfley, three and nine last year, nine offensive starters are returning for this group, six on defense. Uh, Emmett Moorhead is going to be the new starter at quarterback. They've got their um, leading rusher returning from last year, a guy that I think they had some upside for, but last year was not necessarily a year where uh, that side of the football shined as they only scored 18 points a game, 17.8 points a game to be exact. So that's where we'll start. Five-and-a-half wins is the win total, the over and under. Get new life into the offense. That's pretty much uh, – when we're going a little further down this list and we're getting to these smaller win totals, some of this stuff is just going to be much more broad in general. Breathe life into the offense. Figure out how to get that side of the ball going again because Boston College, uh, in a not-too-distant past, used to have an offensive identity that the whole country could get behind and, and could be in love with. 17 tight ends and ram it right down your throat. And that was a whole lot of fun. I don't know if that's still going to be the case this upcoming season, but if they can breathe new life into the offense, especially from a, uh, from an injury standpoint, just stay healthy this year. They lost a, an offensive, uh, tackle at the beginning of the year that just didn't work out for them. They were never able to get him back. Um, let's breathe a little bit of life back into this offense for, uh, um. Uh, for if they're going to get to five and a half wins, if they're not going to get there, some of that injury luck's going to continue, um, and that might be just one small piece to the puzzle of why they don't get there. But they had some really bad injury luck. Phil Dracovic, their offense, uh, their quarterback went down for several games, and then that offensive lineman that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago as well went down. That could go a long way to uh, derailing anybody's season. Just better. Uh, or if they don't have better injury luck this upcoming season, that could be a big thing that holds them back.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, Spencer. This this was a team that was that man. I hope we played them on homecoming team last year. They they weren't that great. They were not fun to watch. Um, you know, Jeff Halfley just kind of it. I, I you know, I'm not putting this all on him. You know, because he was coming off. You know, this is his fourth year, so he's he was coming off three straight bowl bowl season bowl eligible seasons. Um, Spencer, I'm I'm just going to be blunt though and honest about this. I, I really do think that the reason why they're not able to overcome and and hit their win total is because simply someone has to take the losses in the conference. Somebody. Yeah. Somebody has to be the, someone has to be the, the team that loses. Not everyone can't, mathematically, not everyone can go over six wins. Not everybody, yeah. not everyone can do that. And when you're looking at Boston College schedule, you know, they, they have, I, I legitimately think they have five winnable games in North, Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, Virginia, UConn, and Virginia Tech. Those are five winnable games. And, you know, also, I'll put a sixth one on there. They could win at Georgia Tech. However, I just don't think that this team is in a position where they can actually do that. And so I, I expect them to be kind of the punching bag again this year. However, the reason why they are is because of what you just were talking about with their quarterback play from Emmett Moorhead, um, who you know, takes a step forward and actually, you know, losing Phil Djokovic, like you mentioned, like, you know, he was injured. They had injuries all over the place. But it really comes back to the quarterback. Can Moorhead stay healthy and be productive for them the way Dracovic was when he was healthy? If he's able to do that, man, I, I think they could hit over five and a half wins. But, again, I'm just kind of leaning on the fact that I, I think that someone has to take the losses. Someone has to. Um, all right, Spencer, we're going to move – we're going to move through these last three rather quickly. Uh, Virginia Tech. Um. <sighs> I never thought I'd. I mean, I, did, I just never thought we'd be in a in a situation where Virginia Tech would be kind of habitually in that five to six win over under range. But they are here. They are again. They're five and a half. They're expected by a lot of people to be kind of like Boston College and take more hits, um, and, and losses. There, but however, I, I would push back. I, I'm gonna push back a little bit on that. I I I do think that they have an opportunity. Um to, to take a step forward. Grant Wells returns this year, even though a lot of a lot of people are saying drones uh, the, the sophomore is gonna take over. And if he's more talented, then it, it by all means. Brent Pry though, I, I think they I, I think Virginia Tech took their time to make the head coaching higher that they made. Yes, last year was bad. It was three and eight, but they're coming into this year, they're going they have seven returning on offense, seven returning on defense. It is it comes down to their quarterback play like most things do. If their quarterback play and their defensive play can take a step forward with so many returning starters on both sides of the ball, I think they can hit over the five and a half. However, if they if they can't, I think it's still because the cupboard is bare for Brent Pry. I don't think that this is on him. I hope that he's. I think I hope he was given like a five year plan by Virginia Tech or a five year grace period because I think he's going to need that much to fix this program that was once respected and enjoyable. And I'm not saying they were national title contenders, but, man, they were fun to watch. And I think it comes down to either the cover being bare, you know, which will keep them from it, or being able to get over it if they're just, if drones can take advantage of the, the rest of the talent they returned.
1: Yeah, and they were national champion contenders, you know, Back in the 90s, I guess, late 90s, uh, Michael Vick and Florida yep. State playing for a national championship against one another. But, you know, obviously that was 23 years ago, 25 years ago now uh, that those two teams. So, yeah, it's been a long, long time since Frank Beamer had this team in that kind of spotlight and even just in the thick of the ACC conversation. So, yeah, it's been it's been rough to watch uh, to watch Virginia Tech for sure. I've got them going over five and a half if the wide receivers can carry the offense. You mentioned uh, drones, the quarterback, uh, six foot two, 230 pounds. There is some, uh, some preseason hype or some coming out of high school hype. I think highly, uh, recruited kind of guy there for, um, for this offense. Um, but I think the wide receivers could be an interesting spot here, uh, Ali Jennings was ranked as the sixth transfer wide receiver this cycle and could be a guy that uh, really sets the table early on. He had All Sun Belt honors last year at Old Dominion. And then you've got Jalen Lane, who put up 940 receiving yards at Middle Tennessee State and, of course, helped torch the folks down in South Beach uh, during the season. And then there's a couple of other guys there Dewan Lofton, Stephen Gosnell. And, uh, and then two tight ends that are returning from last year as well. So maybe this wide receiver room can put the quarterback at ease and he can sling the ball around a little bit confidently, knowing that he's got some playmakers out there around him. So I'm going with the wide receivers carrying the offense, even though they're furthest from the football. But they won't make it here if the offensive line can't hold up. They were 105th in pa- uh, pass protection. Um rate last year according to pick 6 previews uh, and they were giving up sacks on 10% of passing attempts last year. They were not great with run push either. This was one of the worst offensive lines and they didn't bring anybody in through the transfer portal. So they've not done a lot it seems from a let's you know from a personnel standpoint to fix that side of the football, that area of the football. So I think the offensive line not being able to hold up could be a huge reason why Virginia Tech continues to struggle in year two under their new head coach.
0: Very good. Um, moving to uh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. That's on you. I'm so like sorry. You're, 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 was, yeah, yeah. Would yeah, you, you yeah, like you're you're for me as to as take well. over here? Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. So, uh, Georgia Tech, good old, good old uh, Jeff Collins. You know. And just for for reference here, because I don't know if no, this nope. there's Jeff going Collins to be is, enough.
0: Jeff Collins is fired. He he's no longer
1: there. Right. Yeah, that right. No, I was getting there. <laughs>
0: oh, my bad. My um, bad.
1: My fault. That's okay. Um Jeff Collins no longer there. And I don't think he's gonna get obviously he didn't win on the field, and six uh credit won't be given to him for his time at Georgia Tech. But I think there should be. Because Paul Johnson's offense requires a certain kind of player, certain caliber of players. Georgia Tech's enrollment requires or can limit the kind of players that they can bring in. The roster uh, rebuild, the roster turnover, had to be done in a major way, and they needed to make major strides in bringing talent in. And there would be plenty of people and there are plenty of people who are excited about Jeff Sims at uh, at Nebraska. Well, he was there at Georgia Tech. They got him in there. They got Jameer Gibbs in there. They got a lot of other talented guys in there. Jeff Collins didn't put those guys together, and that's on him, and that's why he doesn't have a job there anymore. But just simply turning that around, the roster talent around, I think you've at least got to check that board because that had to have been a That was going to be a major piece of how Georgia Tech was going to transition from Paul Johnson. And if Jeff Collins didn't do anything there, he at least revamped the talent on the roster. And that's where I'm going to start for Georgia Tech. If they're going to get to four and a half wins, they've got to actually capitalize on the talent that they have offensively. And I know a lot of those guys, Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims, have exited stage left. However, there are still some talented pieces on the on the roster, Brent Key has brought in a few guys, including Haynes King. They've got a guy from uh, Louisville and Trey Cooley. They've got a wide receiver from Alabama and Christian Leary. They've got a wide receiver from Georgia and Dominic Blaylock. They've got some guys that are on that offense now that, you know, the talent, the, the names, the four stars look like what you need to run a wide open offense, which was Collins's whole Uh, objective he just didn't get it done on the field if they can finally start taking advantage of the talent that they have offensively this could be uh, four and a half wins could potentially be there for Georgia Tech it won't be there due to the drain on talent we've uh, talent defensively I'm sorry they've brought in some pieces offensively to sort of make up for some of the ones that have walked out the door. I don't know if they've done that defensively the way that uh that they would have liked to. I think there are some pieces there defensively, but maybe not quite enough like maybe they have offensively.
0: Um unfortunately, I'm I'm just gonna I, like you you have exactly what I was gonna talk about. So we're gonna copy and paste that. I, I will add in the defensive Jeff Collins and like maybe just not given enough time, but there had to be some stuff behind the scenes where he wasn't doing stuff either. You know, I don't, I don't
1: know. Um, no, he 100% deserved to be fired. You, you, yeah, you, like, um, you're just not taking advantage. You brought in all this talent and you brought it in really quickly. And a lot of people thought that you could potentially do that because, Hey, it's Atlanta and there's talent, you know, there's five stars outside your back window, you know, at every you have turn. Waffle
0: House, you know? like
1: Yeah. And, and you have Waffle House. Nobody's going to dis dislikes Waffle House. So, Figure it out. But then, oh, man, it never transitioned to the, on the no. field. Never and, transitioned on
0: the field. And I, I I think you're right by bringing up the transfers. Losing Jeff Sims was a big deal. I think Jeff Sims, we already talked about this. I think Jeff Sims could be really good at Nebraska this year. I think he was a very good quarterback. That was not given a very good opportunity. Like, to your point, just really quickly, to get in the weeds about, you know, um, uh, oh, my gosh, their coach before Jeff Collins. Um uh, Paul Johnson Paul Johnson the offensive line if people have never done this research like there is like to play to play the triple option you need like offensive linemen that are usually in anywhere between three to five inches shorter than most offensive linemen that play in pro style offenses along with being a lot lighter because you're constantly pulling. And so you get these smaller offensive linemen there. Jeff Sims is a couple years there and he is just getting destroyed because they, he he's a, he's a, not a just a running quarterback. He's a throwing quarterback. And, and so he just, it just was a bad situation for Jeff Sims. I hate that for him. Um, but you know, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I want Don Blaylock to play well. I, I hated it for him at Georgia. He just couldn't stay healthy, Georgia Tech. But I, I just kind of copy paste what you said about how they're gonna go over, how they're gonna go under. Um, I'm hoping Brent Key gets a you know gets a good shot here. Last team, Spencer, the Virginia Cavaliers. They are they lost a lot. Tony Elliott is coming into his second year though as head coach. Um, I really think Spencer. The, the way that they're able to take that step forward and get over three and a half wins. Uh, yeah, three and a half is their win total. The way they're able to get over that three and a half wins is it's kind of, again, twofold. One, you have to win against James Madison, William Mary and Georgia Tech. Win the three definite winning games. Win those three. And the like and the way they do that to tack, tack, tack that together is Tony Elliott taking a step forward as a head coach. He was the OC for for a long. He was the OC for Clemson, and then now this is his second year at um, at Virginia. And I think that we see this happen a lot of times. We we have coaches who who maybe their first year struggle a little bit, but then that second year, man, they take a step forward. Just like most teams say, like. You, you never grow as much as you do from week one to week two, right? And I think that we could see that with Tony Elliott, but instead of weeks, it's year one to year two. It's you got, you, you got to take a step forward, Tony Elliott, as a head coach, but you have to win those three games. You have to win James Madison, William & Mary, and Georgia Tech. Those are th- the, Two of those should be guaranteed wins. But you should win those – you have to win those three games. And the, the way they don't, Spencer, is because the rest of their schedule is absolutely brutal. They play Tennessee, at Maryland, NC State, at Boston College, at North Carolina, at Miami, at Louisville, Duke, and Virginia Tech. None of those teams really sound like anybody that, that the Virginia that we've seen could beat them, especially without Brennan Armstrong. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with the Cavaliers. What do you got?
1: So my won't has a lot to do with Tony Elliott and his offense being the problem. Oh. Okay. okay. There was these last two years at Clemson. um, I know that maybe they did some switching things around, but there was sort of an indication at some point where maybe Tony Elliott's offense at Clemson without Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson just isn't all that in a bag of potato chips. Is that leaking over here again? Now, obviously, last year was his first year as a head coach. They scored a whopping 17 points a game. Again, first year maybe we're not going to put all that on him. But if this offense is stagnant in any way, if it continues to sort of just be, ah, they're not really able to get much going on that side of the football, then maybe you, you start to consider perhaps, you know, that side of the football, his offense, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's a problem. Uh, like it was speculated at least at times uh, there at Clemson. The way that I think they will, and I don't, the, the conversation around this has to be very, uh, you got to be careful, I guess, because you don't want it to sound shallow. But obviously their year last season was derailed with the loss of three players, Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis. How have they been handling that loss? How have they been managing the players through all of that, teammates, people that they knew, they laughed with, they worked with, they sweated with, they sacrificed with, how have they been working through that? Um, And every team would be different. Sometimes coaches have found ways. We've got a coach down here and and where me and Robbie are from over in Quitman, Brooks County, they had a loss where three players uh, many, many years ago now had passed away in a car accident. And the head coach has has he has taken an approach of we are not forgetting those guys, and their their jerseys, their image, their names are still very much a part of the program, and are still very much uh, something that they remember. And it's different for every community because you got different people. So, how do they handle that? Can they handle that in a way that maybe helps uplift? and push forward and gets the guys. One thing to be a winning program is you got to have everybody pulling in the same direction. And could this be something that they're able through working through grief? And I'm trying not to make this sound shallow, but can they use this circumstance as a way to everybody get on the same page and pull in the right direction? That's just a thought. Whether it's that yeah. or it's just working through the grief of losing teammates, how well are they able to work through all of that? And if they're able to do it well, uh, and I hope that they can because you don't want anybody to be haunted by those kinds of things, uh, then maybe the three and a half wins would be something that they could go in and capture.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's good. I mean, I also think it's good that you added context with the, you know the, the tragedy they dealt with last year. You know, you you see you see teams like Utah, you know, who had tragedies as well, and they seem to like rally. They seem to rally behind it, right? And
1: right, that's what I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah. It just seems like Virginia, unfortunately, you know, what wasn't able to rally behind it, but also at the same time, like that's that may not even have anything to do with Tony Elliott. It just may have to do with like the talent in the room. Um, And also, I just think like the offensive line play last year for Virginia was just so bad. Like I, I could probably go get four of my get my son and four of his friends and they may give better effort than these guys were giving last year. Um, Spencer, all right, really quick. What's your, what's your championship game prediction and who who's winning the title in ACC?
1: Uh, give me Clemson and Florida state. Yep. And, uh, give me the tigers again.
0: All right. I've got, I got Clemson beating FSU in the middle of the year at Clemson. I got Clemson FSU playing in the title game and FSU getting revenge and winning in the championship game. I, I also, do you
1: see anybody else in the championship game. Is is Pitt there? Is North Miami. Carolina there? Miami for me. Miami's your other potential team. Yeah. Not North Miami. Carolina.
0: No. I, I until until I see it, I do not believe they I don't believe they're gonna have a defense. And, until I see it.
1: Well, I mean, and, and what's funny about North Carolina is they were in the championship game last year without a defense. Yeah. Now, we, but, don't, we do, I believe this season you move to the no divisions.
0: Exactly. So and like that's. That, yes, maybe that, that holds them back. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. If this was a normal thing, I'd probably pick North Carolina. You know, but that's not what this is now. Like, it's the two best teams in the conference. And I, I mean, there, there is a world where Miami puts it together. I mean, like it, it, people have forgotten that, Va- that Van Dyke was supposed to be the tr- like he he was the second coming after his re- freshman year. You remember that, don't you? Like everyone thought that he was yes. just the, the next big thing. And he had this just huge drop off last year. There's a world in which Miami puts it together and is, is in there. But I don't I don't see a wake or a pit taking that step forward. I, I really do kind of think it's. You know, to your point, though, maybe, you know, I will give you this one. NC State. Brennan Armstrong finally having legit offensive and defensive talent around him. What if he's able to shine and just be an absolute baller, you know? But if you go to the head. Yeah, I mean,
1: don't don't count out Pittsburgh either. Uh, Pick six preview has Pitt as the fourth best team in the. In the conference, and you know if Phil Dracovic is able to put it together, I know Pat Narduzzi has done some things that just make you think, "Oh, yeah, oh, what
0: is <laughs> yeah, this that, guy talking that, yeah, about?" Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, I just don't. Yeah. I, I expect, it's hard to buy into Pat Narduzzi yes, for sure. Yes, and then that,
1: offensively, offensively, it's hard to buy into yes. him.
0: Like, I expect them to, you know, like <laughs> they'll they'll beat one of these contenders that I just mentioned, but then they'll lose to Boston College, you know. Or or they'll lose. You know that's a little dramatic. They'll they'll, they'll lose to you know, like someone of actual value. That <laughs> they'll lose. They'll well, they lose. lost
1: a they lost to Georgia Tech last year.
0: Yeah, that yeah that's my point, man. That they'll just lose a game that they're not supposed to lose. All they right, lost Spencer. to
1: Western Michigan in twenty one.
0: Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Point my point proven. Thank you, sir. All right, Spencer, I'm done. I'm out.
1: Okay. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to Friends, One Love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later.